Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Well, today we get right up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in our reading. And if you've been saved for any length of time, right, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are certainly things that you have heard about. And many of the details that we will look at today will be things that you've heard before, things that you've read before, because this is such a critical moment in Scripture. So we want to highlight a few of those things, but there's one thing that stood out to me that I think should get our attention a little more, something that probably doesn't get talked about as much as it should, and that is the role that the sin of envy played in all of this. In the New Testament today, we are uh, looking at Matthew 27, 15 through 26, Mark 15, 6 through 15, Luke 23, 13 through 25, John 18, 38 through 19, 16. And in these, you see kind of the end of the discussion with Pontius Pilate and him delivering Jesus over to be crucified, the release of Barabbas, right? Familiar things. And we'll come back and touch on some of the important and familiar themes in this passage. But there's one little line that gets brought up both in the gospel of Matthew and in uh, the gospel of Mark. And that is a note of how this all happened. And even Pontius Pilate notices something uh, about what is going on. Going on here with Jesus. And you'll notice it if you look in Matthew 27 at verse 18, where it says, For he, referring to Pilate, knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. And it mentions that, like I said, in one of the other gospel accounts too, but even Pilate notices, hey, what's really going on with uh, these religious leaders is not some genuine religious scruple. It's not some genuine belief that Jesus is blaspheming. It is envy that leads them to deliver up Jesus to be crucified. And I mean, they they say some incredible and horrible things in this. I mean, just look at how when Pilate washes his hands and says he is innocent in verse 25 there in Matthew 27, the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. What horrible words. And unfortunately, what words that turn out to be true is uh, within 40 years, the whole city of Jerusalem is destroyed. Or in John's account, as they eventually say, we have no king but Caesar. Uh, no, no Jewish, no self-respecting Jewish religious leader would ever really be caught saying such a thing in any other circumstance, but envy drives them to say this. And so uh, that that's one thing. Don't let that, uh, don't miss that. Don't let that get by you as you read this account today, that the sin of envy is a very twisted sin and it can lead people to do uh, crazy and evil things. I mean, to say crazy things like his blood be on us and our children, to say crazy things like we have no king but Caesar, and to do such an evil thing, but to hand over the Son of God to be crucified. 
And one of the core reasons they are doing so is actually envy. Now, if you just look up a simple definition of envy, it says a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck, um, right? Or desire to have a quality possession or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. You are looking at something that someone else has and you want it, right? And that can include possessions, but lots of times it might just be more even their personality or how their life is going or uh, look, Jesus has all the crowds looking to him. Suddenly these religious leaders are not the most important people that everyone comes flocking to anymore. Uh, Jesus has surpassed them in popularity and importance and they don't like that, right? There is envy and you will be tempted by envy in all kinds of ways in your life. Uh, you'll be tempted to envy other people's possessions to say, oh, I wish I had that nicer car or I had that nicer house. Or it even gets deeper when you start saying, I deserve that more than they do. Why are they so blessed when they live like this, but I'm doing this over here, right? Even in ministry, uh, you can be envious, right? Oh, that person, people think they're a better singer than me. Or why did that person get asked to to teach this thing for the kids ministry? And I didn't, right? And, and we start envying maybe the positions or the skills um, uh, that other people have. You can envy, you know, someone else's family. Oh, their family seems so nice and so good. I wish I had that. There are all kinds uh, of ways you could fall into the trap of envy at work, at home, at church, uh, in your community, in your neighborhood, like everywhere. Envy is a temptation. And so we need to see from this passage, whoa, envy, if left unchecked, can lead to some extreme and dangerous places. So it'd be a good time for you to check your own heart for any areas where you may face the sin of envy, where you might find yourself discontent and and looking at someone else and something that they have and wanting that, being envious of that. And obviously a way to fight against envy is to build contentment with what God has given you to be content with your lot in life and not just to settle for contentment, but by actively being thankful. And one thing I was struck with uh, reading this was just the the opposites as you consider th- these statements from the religious leaders going all the way back to our, the beginning of our journey in the Gospels and the story of John the Baptist, who uh, he was a popular preacher. He had everyone coming to him, but then they started going to Jesus. And did we sense envy in John the Baptist? No. He said, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. That's the heart that I hope all of us should have as well, that we know, hey, my life is not about me. My life is not about my possessions. My life isn't even about my ministry success. It's about Jesus Christ, and I just want to honor him, and that is all that I want, all that I care about. And any chance I get to do that in any possession he does give me, I will be thankful to him for that. Now, a couple other things to notice. Obviously, the the figure of Pontius Pilate uh, looms large in today's reading, and we see his weakness, especially this comes out in John's account, how it really does seem that he is pressured uh, by just the 
uh, things related to his job and, and the pressures of people, the peer pressure. Uh, he is pressured into doing something he knows is not the right thing to do. That's another lesson. But again, one theme that should come through all of this is the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. How Jesus is, on one hand, the victim here, but also on the other hand, he is the one controlling all of this. He is the one allowing it to happen. Just remember what he says to Pilate in John 19, 11, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above, right? Jesus acknowledging the only reason you have authority is because I gave it to you, right? Your, your authority comes from God. Your authority comes from me. And, and so we, we see just the strength of that statement from Jesus. And that's another thing. I hope you don't go through reading these accounts without seeing um Jesus and the sovereignty and power that he is showing even in uh, these incredible and difficult circumstances where he is the victim. No, he is also in control. Now, as we go to the Old Testament today, we are looking at 1 Chronicles 2 and Psalm 44. So we'll slowly work through the genealogies, but don't fall asleep. Note, uh, especially in today's reading, you're going to see some things that have popped up before, like the sin of Achan or uh, Judah. And how did he get all of his kids? And those should bring back some of the lessons and the memories. You'll see Caleb referred to there today. So hopefully it, it brings up some memories of things we've already read. But speaking of memories of things that God has already done, that does bring us to Psalm 44 today. And Psalm 44 may be a great thing for you to pray through today because it starts just by talking about, oh God, we've, we've seen all the great things that you have done. We, we've heard, uh, you know, of all the great things you have done, I should say more accurately, and all the things you have done in the days of old. And really, it reflects on biblical history, kind of like it's doing in First Chronicles and how God gave them the land, verse 3, for not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. And these words of, of trust in God in verses four through eight, but then you get to verse nine and it says, but you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. And there's this cry of God, where are you? We haven't forgotten you. We're, we're following you, but it seems that we're in a hard time. And it gets to the point, even in verse 23, awake, why are you sleeping? O Lord, rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why did you, why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And so here, I appreciate the Psalms again and how they show the whole range of human emotion and experience where there are some Psalms of celebration and praising God for his abundant provision. And there's times where you will feel that in life, but there's also Psalms like this that are like, God, where are you? Wake up, God, because it seems like you're asleep. And that's where we know that that's not true. God never slumbers. He never sleeps. But I think even this shows us how to pray in those moments, uh, that it begins even with remembering what God has done. And even though it's it's hurting right now, it it ends with a call to God 
to help rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And if you're in a spot today where uh, you are wondering, why is all of this happening to me? Well, why is life so hard? Especially it feels like I'm seeking the Lord God. Where are you? I hope Psalm 44 encourages you and shows you how to pray this morning. And even that this psalm might be something that helps your heart avoid the sin of envy. If you are going through a trial, that you would be careful not to envy those who are not going through a trial, not to envy those who their life seems to be going well at the moment, but to bring our hope back again and again to our God and seek his redemption according to his steadfast love. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.